It's the Urban Parlay with your host, Sandra DuBose. Vibe with the tribe that'll take your stress away. Right here on the Urban Parlay. Bonjour, and welcome to the Urban Parlay podcast with your host, Sandra DuBose. Hunty, let me tell y'all, <laughs> it's about <laughs> to go down. You feels me. So you want to go ahead and share this because Absolutely. this is the one that you need to watch <laughs> and listen to. You feel me? Today, what are we talking about? Honey, we're going to hmm. get it in. We're talking about S. X. Yes. Yes, because we grown and we can do that. Okay. That's right. So <laughs> let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. We're gonna talk about it. And let me put my glasses on because I need y'all to know who we talking to today. Okay. <laughs> Helena Johnson. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's located in Research Triangle Park. She has earned her master's degree in marriage, family, and couple counseling from Capella University. She received a bachelor's degree in psychology with a minor in child development and family relations from Indiana University of Pennsylvania. She has a bunch of certifications. She's a trauma therapist. She's an amazing woman, young, beautiful black woman. And we are Thank going you. to get it <laughs> right on in because I got so many daggone questions. Child, we got to get right into it. Where do we start? So Helena Johnson, yes. welcome to the Urban Parlay. Thank you for having me. So excited. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. First of all, why don't you start? Because when we hear the term sex therapist, right, mm -hmm. that's kind of like, what do you mean? I know how to do it. What do you, what do I need? Therapy? Right. You know, yeah. what, yeah. are we, what are we talking about? What is this? What is this all about? Can you please tell us what is sex therapy? Yes. Let's start there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think there are misconceptions around what sex therapy is. Right. Um, but sex therapy is a space for couples and individuals to talk about some of their sexual experiences, mm -hmm. um, to get tools to enhance their sexual ex experiences. And um, for couples, it's a way to unveil some of the unspoken things that happen mm -hmm. um, to heal emotional wounds that happen from sexual experiences. Right. Um, and for individuals, a lot of times, if I'm seeing women, um, we're helping with low libido issues. Um, for men, that may include like treating premature ejaculation, mm. delayed ejaculation, erectile dysfunction. So there's a clinical side where we're addressing some of the sexual dysfunctions. Okay. And we're also addressing the emotional and sexual intimacy parts of relationships. So one, it's all a talk therapy space. There's no touching. Uh, I was about to sign up like, <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But um, there, <laughs> it's a space for us to just be completely transparent, no yeah. judgment. Right. And um, for me to help, I, I like to frame it as helping couples have new choreography um, to what happens in the bedroom, to what happens in the relationship. Mm. And, um, there are times where I do give some homework assignments where they can practice their, to enhance their intimacy at home. And then we process it in session. So it's a very interesting field. <laughs> so, okay. So I have to ask the question, why yeah. did you go into sex therapy? Like what, what was it about it that you said, this is where I want to help? Yeah, that's, um, so how I got started, well, actually way back when I was talking to my best friends about this, they don't remember, but, um, <laughs> I used to make jokes. It was very seldom about like being a sex therapist. I was in grad school mm -hmm. becoming a marriage and family therapist. And, mm -hmm. you know, the idea of being a sex therapist was something that was there, but I never really thought I would actually travel down that path. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So anyways, I started doing a lot of family therapy, working with the family. I realized the parents need work too. So I got into couples therapy mm-hmm. and from getting into couples therapy, um, I realized that there's another component here of not just the emotional intimacy, but the sexual intimacy. Sure. So I started working at a practice here in Raleigh who did both couples and sex therapy. And I thought I was just being hired to do the couples therapy. Right. But they're like, no, we do it all. So you're going to be trained in sex therapy as well. So that's where I got my start. And the more that I started to learn, the more that I started to meet with couples, I realized this is something that's really really needed. Yes. uh, Especially in our community. Yes. Um, uh, It's already stigmatized to get therapy in our community. Right. Um, But as people are learning about me and my practice, they're saying we need you in our community. So um, it's a great way to reach and um, help build that intimacy and relationships. So that's how I got my start. I love it. And I have to say, I was just so thrilled because I started to really Google. Um, We've never actually met um, yet, Mm -hmm. Um, but I just started to kind of Google because I really wanted to ideally find an African-American sex therapist. And I was just so thrilled when I came upon your website, like, yes, rock on because it, you know, it is so much conversation that really needs to be had around this topic. And so the first thing, you know, when you talk about couples, how much of, can we, we always hear, what are the important parts of a relationship, right? So there's, mm-hmm. sex is major in a relationship. Sex is a big Money, thing. you know, those kind yeah. of, uh-huh. these, are, these are big ticket items uh-huh. when it comes yeah. to the health yeah. of sustaining any relationship long-term. Those are the pieces yeah. that are kind of like those deal breakers, right? And you've yeah. got to figure it out. So, and a lot of times I think that we will sweep things under the rug mm-hmm. because Mm-hmm. touchy, uncomfortable, very vulnerable oh, yeah. space that we don't really always have that level of intimacy within the relationship. You may be having sex, but do right. you have intimacy? Do you really yeah. have that level of trust where you feel vulnerable enough to say, I really don't like it when you do that? Yes. Right? That Could- uh-huh. Yeah. That- so go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That's the conversation that I'm having, yeah. uh, helping couples to have. Right. Um, a lot of times when I am meeting with couples or even just with individuals too, mm-hmm. they'll come in and they'll say um, that, you know, sex isn't really going well in our relationship and mm-hmm. this has been going on for years and it's to a, it's getting to a point where we're talking about separating or we're talking about divorce. Right. Um, and there's so many layers to it. Yes. to break down that um, what I'm finding is that uh, there's, like I was mentioning before, there's the emotional intimacy piece. Right. But that is very well connected to the sexual intimacy piece. Thank you. Talk so about a lot that. Of, yeah. A lot of times if there are relational issues in right. a relationship, yes, um, you're not really feeling motivated to have sex with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be for male or female. Okay. Um, and so... I like to look uh, look at intimacy as a circle. The top half is emotional intimacy, mm-hmm. the bottom half being sexual intimacy, and nice. we need the circle to be complete. Whole. Nice, good. But when couples come in, the circle is a little off. The emotional intimacy is not quite there. Right. Um, and what that could look like is we're not having quality time. I'm not feeling heard. We're arguing. I'm not feeling validated. They don't understand my issues. I don't know what's going on in their world. Right. Life has a way of sucking time and that emotional intimacy can erode. Yes. And when that happens, I, I believe it, it does have an impact on the sexual intimacy. It's like, I don't know you anymore. You're not hearing me. We're fussing, we're fighting. Right. No, I don't want to be sexual with you. Yes. And so we need the circle to be complete. And Mm. I find that, and this isn't for everyone, but I find like most women, most women kind of sit in this top half where it's like, I need to feel emotionally connected to you. Correct. Want to have sex with you. Correct. Not just sex, but to have a connective experience during sex. Right. So when this is off, this ain't happening. (laughs) Fellas, did you hear that? Fellas, did you just (laughs) hear that part right there? Like you want to figure out how you're going to get her to turn over? (laughs) 
but not yeah. just that. How you're yeah. gonna get her to be all excited and want you? It's with that top half. It's that emotional connection yeah. and that intimacy. That look like talks, date yeah. nights, yeah, all the things that couples do in the beginning, right? Right, like you're really trying to get to know who that person is. You're talking right. on the phone. You're texting all right. day. There's this yeah. great anticipation, right. like, oh, what am I going to wear when I see him? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? There's all this mental foreplay that. Mm-hmm. helps with that emotional connection mental so, foreplay write that yes, down mental that foreplay. Is, yes that little part. nugget <laughs> yes seriously um and so i think a lot of women like i said not not all but most women kind of sit in that area yeah and i think men, most men sit in the bottom where mm-hmm. for them sexual intimacy and sex is a way of connecting is a way to get to the to get to the emotional Yes, they a lot of times like men sit here is like, well, if we had you know sex more often, I I, I could be more, but it, it gets off, like it gets twisted and it becomes yeah. this tit for tat. But I, I find a lot of men do sit here. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, most men are socialized not to talk about their feelings. They gotta mm-hmm. be, you know, manly yeah. men. Right. They have to be like tough, they gotta grind there isn't room or space for them to really feel their emotions so for a lot of men sex is a way for them to to feel that and express it's a physical expression of their love and care and I think that gets missed when the relational stuff is off Uh, you are so correct it totally totally makes sense you know and I think that you know just like the book um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, Venus. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So anybody mm-hmm. who's in a relationship, it's like when you really understand how men and women really are wired differently, yes. right? And that if we can come into relationship with that understanding and realistic expectation that I need to be able to meet you where you're at and you yeah. need to be able to lean in and meet me where I'm yeah. at. And both it's of us just together. understanding it's not personal it's how we're wired. He has more yeah. testosterone than you do. Yeah. He's going to want it more than you do. You're going to have to, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, yeah. well, if that's what your need is, then let me, sh- let me teach you. And you have to be teachable of what you right. can do to help me get there because I yeah. don't naturally just need it the way you do. Right. And you, I was just thinking that, and you touched on it. Our yeah. bodies are made differently. differently. Um, the range of testosterone that men have just to get a little scientific is 300 nanograms per deciliter to a thousand. Okay. So they have like a good range here. I mean, 300 to a thousand. As opposed to us, how much do women have? For women, we, it, it ranges between 15 nanograms per deciliter to 75. And they have how much? 300 to a thousand, right? That's a significant <laughs> difference, right? It's so big. <laughs> when I explain that to couples, they're like, huh, Huh, right. That makes sense. Now, now I get, so their bodies, most their bodies are primed for sex, right? Yeah. That testosterone helps to prime them. And for us women, we need a little help. Sometimes we need a little bit more time. Yeah. This woman I was working with, she was like, my husband is like the microwave. He gets like, he desires sex. <laughs> he gets aroused. He's ready to go. Yeah. And she's like, I'm more like the oven. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is such a perfect metaphor here because she's like, I just need time. Yeah. I need to preheat. Right. And I use that. I told her I was going to steal it because I think it's brilliant, but it does show this parallel. It shows what's different. Um, when women compare their arousal cycle to men, don't. It's like comparing apples to oranges and a lot of women feel like I'm broken. Like, why don't oh, I goodness. own it all the time? Like what's, and they internalize, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, <laughs> this is not my session, however. <laughs> so when you compare like, you know, women's arousal cycle with other women, you find that this is pretty typical. It's pretty typical for women to feel pretty. Yeah. Not actually feel not much of anything (laughs) when their partner asks. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so what happens is in the couples therapy or the sex therapy, we Mm -hmm. break that down and we talk about that. Um, what is your way to preheat? Like what helps you preheat? Well, I like preheat. That's he does this, or when we do this together, or we don't have time, like the she's like literally telling you how to preheat her oven, right? Nice. telling you the ingredients to help 
make this recipe for connective sex. And um, I think it gets overlooked. And so I just help couples slow down, talk to each other, put together a new dance mm-hmm. that's going to work for both of them. Uh, and it's a beautiful, it's it's hard work because like you said, it's a sensitive oh gosh. topic to talk, you know, to talk about. And so, yeah, you got to uh, really check your ego at the door. Absolutely. If, if you're coming for sex therapy, you know, it has to be such a safe space and such a level yeah. of maturity where you can absolutely. really have the humility to just say mm-hmm. how you really feel, what yeah. you're struggling with in order for you to make progress. Like right. we're not here to impress you, you mm-hmm. know, Ms. Mm-hmm. Johnson, mm-hmm. we're here to get some help. So this, we're is, here to get help. this is where it hurts. This is yes. where, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk about Gosh, I don't even know where to start. There's just so much. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's already so helpful because I think that when you understand the science and when you said how women feel broken, how women yeah. feel like there's something wrong with me, it is very difficult for a woman to feel as though she cannot please her man. Yes. I can't. He's always yeah. frustrated with me. Yeah. Like if every other woman in the world is Cardi B and Megan D. Stallion yeah. and they, they, yeah. they got that WAP and they ready to give it up right. at, the, at the drop of a dime. Yeah. Like, well, what's wrong yeah. with my vagina? How come mm-hmm. she don't have a, just a, a flip switch that you just yeah. turn yeah. it on? Does is everybody else just, right. does it work differently? And it, it you mm-hmm. really internalize that as a woman, especially yes. in times like these where I feel mm-hmm. As a woman, there's so much pressure, societal pressure, because it's like there's the glorified mm-hmm. stripper. Everybody mm-hmm. can make it do all kinds of stuff. Just, yeah, want it, and you're supposed to just do, be able to do acrobatics. All these- acrobatics. Are you yeah. supposed to yeah. be able to yeah. swing from poles, chandeliers, yeah. all types of stuff, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to have like the abs and the thighs that can make right. you th- able yeah. to ride for the until the cows come home exactly and yeah. so it make the, all of these images makes a woman feel like right. there's this competition like these women are better like their vagina mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. made differently than mine like i how am i going to compete like i have to yeah. try to keep up with those women in order to keep the interest of my man yeah so can you talk about that yeah it's a false depiction okay. i mean there are some women who can do that not everyone sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Not every woman wants to do that. That um, part. <laughs> so you got to have space for for all of it. Yeah. But I think there is the socialization that women are supposed to just be able to do these things. Yeah. Um, or I even hear women say, "Well, in the beginning of our relationship, like it wasn't this difficult. Like mm. I could have sex, you know, all the time, or it was pretty frequent, or I didn't need this much time to preheat." Mm-hmm. So what? changed. Um, Mm. and I think life changes, the relationship changes, um, responsibilities change and our bodies change, right? Our bodies change. Um, as you get older, we lose a little, like our testosterone levels drop a little more and more and more. And then adding children into the mix and then adding children. Um, of course you're pregnant, you're tired, your body's changed. You're not feeling sexy. Your hormones are up and down. Right. Um, there's vaginal dryness that happens with those hormone changes. When a woman is nursing, your body produces prolactin, which is the hormone to help release breast milk. And that actually is, um, a desire suppressant. So when you have that in your, you have all these hormonal changes and you're nursing, you're tired and you're like not in the mood. Well, some of it is hormonal. Sure. And that um, hormone prolactin lasts in your body for months, even after you stop nursing. So I think between four to six months, it could just be lingering your body. So that's a part of it. Um, Postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, uh, and, And so a lot of things change, but this idea that all women orgasm through penetrative sex, I mean, it's shown in movies, it's shown in porn, right? That as soon as you have sex, they're moaning, they're (laughs) climaxing, they're orgasming within five minutes. And um, that's just not reality. Can you talk about that? Because that was one of the questions. So let's, let's go back into the psychology of sex, right? And our relationship to sex stemming yeah. from what our first sexual experience is 
-hmm. as children um, and what we were taught to believe about what that's supposed to look like, feel like, how we're supposed to show up from the woman's perspective, especially, you know, I would say that woman, most women speaking for myself personally, especially growing up in a very religious household, Mm -hmm. I was not in all, in any way, sexually empowered. Okay. It was like, you, you You bet not. You don't talk about it. (laughs) That's exactly right. You you bet not. Okay. Right. And if you do, you bet not let me find out that you Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like all of this energy around this I'm not supposed to enjoy. I'm not supposed to want. It makes me bad in some way that God is all of that gets trapped in in our psyches and Mm -hmm. how we show up in the bedroom because am I allowed to enjoy this? My Mm -hmm. body says yes, but I have, and I can't enjoy it too much. Right. I'm not not supposed to enjoy it, but if I enjoy it too much, I'm a hoe. Yes. Or so it's like women are really, Conflicted challenge of like, I need to like it, but I can't like it too much. But then I'm not supposed to because I'm supposed to be pure mm. and I'm supposed to keep myself. And especially if you grew up in Christian um, home, that is very right. imprinted. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, don't think about it, don't talk about it. And yes. so there isn't this familiarity with female sexuality. And then you get married. And he expects you. Yeah. Yeah. He expects you to be Megan Thee Stallion, right? Yes. <laughs> With the right. knees. I mean, it's like, my knees yeah. don't work like that. They don't but... do that. <laughs> Mama didn't tell me that. She did not yeah. tell me that. <laughs> so there's a huge gap here. And I think yeah. we need to have more conversations about what sexuality and what healthy sexuality is. Yes. And so, um, and so in saying that, my point mm-hmm. was too that yeah. a lot of times our first experiences are through pornography, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. so, so especially for men that yeah. they're looking at these little Playboy magazines. Well, back in the day, we had Playboy magazines. Back in the day, magazines. it was Playboy. Now it's everything's on the app. Right, just, <laughs> just go on your phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you got your. It's at the you know, just hit the button. Anything you want, right? You can so order it. Accessible. It's like Uber Eats. You just deli- mm-hmm. they deliver right, that right, for right. you. <laughs> Exactly. But that leaves then an impression because you're seeing this dramatic presentation Mm -hmm. to titillate you, but that doesn't necessarily speak to intimacy, what women really like, Mm -hmm. all of these different things. And so men then show up in the bedroom with this expectation expectation. that, oh, this is what you do. It feels like so much pressure. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like so much pressure. And there are men in my sessions who say, well, every girl that I've been with has like, orgasm. And I'm like, so you okay. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody was lying. Somebody lying. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, You're taught to lie. Because, yeah, because so, you have to preserve the male ego. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I mean, there's a lot into it. So, And you yeah, want him to get off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could you, you finish? All of these things. All of these things. So when you think about all of the things that you just talked about, yes. right, like pressures, having to do it well and do yes. it good, like get them off, like mm-hmm. also be artistic with it and have this performative <laughs> skill set <laughs> and, and you're not getting any pleasure out of it. Right. Where's the motivation? Like, why would I want to have sex? What is in it for me? (laughs) If all of this is being invested into your pleasure and I need to do this for you and I'm not getting anything out of it, of course, I'm not going to have any motivation. That also plays a part in my desire or women's desire. So having, dispelling these (laughs) false depictions of sex. Yeah. Um, is a part of sex therapy as well. Mm-hmm. Creating that emotional intimacy with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there only 15% of women actually orgasm through penetrative sex. It's, mm. The statistic isn't really high. I mean, 15%. Most women climax through clitoral stimulation. Like the right. foreplay is the sex. Yeah. The foreplay, you know, oral sex, hand stimulation, caressing, touching, kissing, and that being, you know, where the experiences where a lot of women do orgasm, that is the sex, that is the the fireworks for most women. And to place this pressure that they have to come or they have to orgasm through penetrative sex just 
actually steals the fun, steals the the romance, steals the pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's talk a little bit about, and you used this term earlier, and I'm all about this, emotional healing, right? So one of the things that, you know, and the work that I do, um, empowering women, helping us build healthy self-esteem, love ourselves. Part of that process is really taking a look back into the things that have um, deteriorated our self-esteem and our Which confidence, it's right? It's uh-huh. yeah, it's like what? Let's unpack this. What really yeah. happened? Who took? When did you start to feel unbeautiful or unworthy? Absolutely. And oftentimes, I mean, I don't know the exact statistics because not everybody's going to tell their secret anyway. Right. But we're yeah. holding secrets as women. We have been through so much Mm -hmm. that it is so common that it's like normalized that you know when we're talking about you know childhood sexual molestation these types of um experiences that are so impressionable and they they definitely impact our psyche the way we show up in for the rest of our lives and this is just this not just for women for men as well Right. Mm-hmm. And so men might language it and say and say, oh, nah, I just was real young when they have no honey. You were a child and someone you took advantage of that part. So yeah. can you talk about how unhealed wounds mm-hmm. show up in the bedroom? And I'll share this. One of the things that I and I am um, I'm a spokesperson <laughs> for, mm-hmm. um, you know, healing, emotional healing. I had experience, you know, sexual childhood molestation. And Mm -hmm. I know that when I was married, that was a challenge for me because Uh there were triggers, right? Yes. So can you talk about triggers in the bedroom and let's talk about that. Let's go. So let's, let's get into it. Get into it. Um, (laughs) I I have a background in doing child um, trauma therapy. Um, and so a lot of the therapy that I was doing was child sexual abuse and assault. Okay. Um, both for boys and girls. And some of the similar components is the, the shame, the guilt, mm-hmm. the embarrassment mm-hmm. um, that comes along with being um, touched in that way or being forced to do something. The innocence Mm. of that child is taken away and it just leaves them emotionally raw and they don't really know what to do with it. Where do you put it? Where do you put it? How do you understand it? It's complex. I'm being touched. I can't say no. There's this power dynamic that plays out. Um, Or I'm conflicted because I might, my body might respond. My body might like the touch, but I know this isn't how it's supposed to be. It's really a lot to process. It's very complicated. Mm -hmm. And without that being addressed, it does snowball into our teenage relationships where there is a misconception around what love and sex is and how that works together. Mm -hmm. And then in our adult relationships, there could be triggers that if, especially if someone has suppressed it or. Which most of us have. Yeah. And we're not going to talk about it. I'm just going to move on. Yes. And then you can be in a relationship or a situation where one touch can just take you way back to when the assault happened. That's crazy, right? Um, It is. Mm. There's a um, book called Body Keeps the Score. And um, it's a trauma book that talks about how our bodies remember trauma that has happened. Okay, pause, pause. I need everybody to hear what she just said. Say Mm -hmm. that one more time because that was huge. Because what I find is that people, adults really believe that if they've moved on, oh, I'm grown, that was back then. Like there's now connection, you're over it, it happened. Mm -hmm. And you, if you have not healed, if you have not dealt with, that thing, I always say this quote from Ayanna Van Zandt because I think mm-hmm. it is so powerful. And she mm-hmm. says, if you do not heal the wounds of your past, it will bleed into your future. Yes. So there yeah. are so many people that are struggling because you are bleeding over yeah. wounds that have not been healed from your childhood. Mm-hmm. So please mm-hmm. tell us the name of that book again, because somebody needs to get that. Yeah. The body keeps the score. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I forget the, the author's name, but if you type that in, it'll, it'll sure. pull right up. But, um, I like to use this analogy. This is one of the analogies we use when I, in our trauma training that I did. Mm-hmm. So if, 
I am definitely afraid of snakes and I'm going through the woods and I see a snake cross the path. My body's going to have such a panic response. Mm -hmm. I'm going to cry. I'm going to hyperventilate. I'm going to get anxious. My heart's going to race. I'm going to have some type of response. Sure. And that can be considered a traumatic experience. Okay. Um, and, and so let's say I, I survived that, mm-hmm. um, but somehow life leads me down walking through the woods and there's a stick that looks very similar to the snake. It's not the snake, right? but just my eyes seeing that stick makes me have this response because the body remembers, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it's something that's similar, that seems similar or feels similar, my body is going to have that same response as though it is the snake. And that's because our body remembers. Keeps, yeah. Our body, it, it, it's, it gets trapped in our bodies. Wow. It gets trapped in our minds and therapy and talking about it and unpacking that mm. helps us to re-regulate and rewire trauma really hardwires your brain. Mm. It hardwires how you feel things. It hardwires how you see the world. Right. Therapy is a chance to unpack that to actually help your body rewire itself to be able to regulate. Um, You don't forget it, but you do learn how to re-regulate when these different triggers happen. So triggers. Um, Sometimes when I'm doing couples sex therapy and someone has been abused, male or female, Mm -hmm. I mean, a scent, right? A cologne could take them back. A perfume could take them back. Um, He or she touched me around my neck and it took get off me, you know, and I'm fighting Mm. and my partner is like, whoa, what's happening? So a touch can take you back. That could be a trigger. A scent could be a trigger. And a trigger is something that takes you back to the time of the trauma, Mm -hmm. the memory of the trauma. And that could be so many, and some people don't know what their triggers are until they are having sex. Correct. Um, Because it's been forgotten about. It's been stuffed or tucked away. Yeah. It's like the um, brain protects you, right? It's yeah, like, it's, exactly it's, it it's a coping mechanism yeah. of how to protect you from that. But how often do you see those kind of issues show up in a marriage? Uh, quite often because people say that I do trauma therapy. So I, mm-hmm. I do see it quite often. Um, so one, I think it's important to talk about what that trauma is. So I will oftentimes do a breakout session okay. where it's just he and I, you know, me, you know, her and I, and we're actually unpacking what was that trauma, what happened. Mm -hmm. And we pick out pieces. Okay. These are the pieces your partner needs to know. Mm -hmm. Your partner needs to understand what happened to you in this way. And let's talk about how we're going to share this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there's healing, um, even in the training, um, there's healing and having that loved one or that one that you're having this connection with there's healing and being able to share and having that trusted adult or that trusted parent um, help you unpack it and for them to support you and for Mm -hmm. them to be there for you as you're sharing this really really painful traumatic experience yeah part of the trauma um, therapy is even with couples it's being able to unpack it teaching how to support Mm-hmm. how to handle triggers, how to say what's going on, uh, and how to be there for each other. Yeah. Um, and I, I think too, sometimes what may, needs to happen is like, if a man understands a woman's experience and what her triggers are, then how can we work around that? So don't choke me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? You might not want to do that move. Or <laughs> he says, stop, stop, give them that power to, to just stop. That's good. Don't talk them into, let's just keep going. Why are we stopping? That is even more traumatic. That adds to the trauma. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times that power of choice has been taken. Power of choice. Out of abuse, assaults, that power of choice has been taken. And what happens is when Mm. couples are having sex and the victimized person is saying, I need to stop. I'm feeling triggered. And the partner is saying, no, let's keep going. It takes that power of choice away. Yes. I always say, if you're feeling triggered, please stop. Do not keep pressing, you know, through sex. Stop. Bring it to session. Let's process it. Let's talk about it and give them that power of choice. That is so, so powerful. 
It's so powerful because I think that so many marriages, you know, we we hear about the divorce rates like 50%, right? And I think yeah. that it's because we don't have these tools. I think that yeah. there's a lot of marriages <clears throat> that may have had challenges in the bedroom that could have been solved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they would have mm-hmm. ever just sat down yeah. and unpacked it and had the humility to say, or the, or the knowledge to say, I'm going to, we're going to go to a therapist for this specific yeah. issue that could really help us uncover mm-hmm. what's happening mm-hmm. with us mm-hmm. so that we can find each other again. Because I think yeah. we get to these roadblocks and, you know, we don't have enough tools to be able to make it over and yes. we just give up, but there's, there's help. You have to be willing to come outside the box, do some things that might be uncomfortable. Right. I mean, a hammer doesn't fix everything, right? Sometimes you need a screwdriver, you need a wrench, you need different tools. And that's what therapy does. It fills your toolbox up with different tools to help tackle some of these, you know, situations that come up. Let's talk about libido, just generally libido, right? Um, Because women, like we talked about when it comes to testosterone and stuff like that, mm-hmm. we don't always have the libido. Um, but what about a man who might be having challenges with his libido? Yeah. And I know that sometimes for men, that's a sore spot because mm-hmm. they feel like they're supposed to. Right. right. So right. what if it's like, man, my, I, you know, she wants it and I don't. Yes. So there's a couple of things that are coming up for me. So okay. sometimes um, well, in my, my work, I'm, I'm looking at the dynamic in the couple. So you have sexual pursuers. Those are person who people who pursue connection through sex. So that could be male or female. Say that again. Say that again. A sexual pursuer is the person who pursues connection through sex. Okay. So they may have a higher libido. They may have a higher drive. And that could be for male or female. So there are situations where we have female sexual pursuers in the relationship where they're saying, I love feeling connected to my husband or to my girlfriend or to my mm-hmm. um, boyfriend or fiance through sex. And I want it quite frequently and he doesn't. Right. Um, and so on the other end, we have the sexual withdrawers where they're not ones to really initiate sex. They'll, they'll respond, but they need a little more of that intimacy, emotional intimacy to help get them going. And sometimes that fits for, for men too. Okay. Um, but if that's the case there, it, it can create some issues where men are internalizing, women are internalizing. Maybe I'm not attractive enough. He doesn't want me. Right. He's internalizing, you know, she's too much. I'm not enough for her. I mm. can't please her what's going on. I'm broken. Mm. And so there's that, you know, dialogue happening. But for men who have low desire, one of the things that I assess for is whether they have erections in the morning. Hmm. If they have erections in the morning, strong erections in the morning, if they can masturbate and still have erections, like I'm looking for those things because that's going to tell me whether there is a testosterone imbalance. Okay. And if you know, men are saying, no, I'm not really having erections in the morning or they're, they're weak erections, or I can't really get erect when we're, you know, having sex. So that might be a part of why they're having, you know, low desire. Sure. One of the things that I do is I ask if I can make a referral for them to see a urologist Okay. so they can check their testosterone levels. And a lot of times it can be just low T, like low testosterone. And so then they get treatment for that. And then eventually things kind of pick up. Okay. Um, if there are pain issues, um, you know, just sex is painful. Uh, there, there are times where that happens for both male and female. And um, of course, for women, if there are pain issues, that's going to impact your libido. Who, who wants to have sex if it hurts? You don't. Um, yeah, you don't. you don't um so you can be referred to a pelvic floor pt um Mm. and and there are many different reasons why i might refer but it is unpacking this um but for men it also could be relational there's just maybe it's what's happening between the two of them Mm. um and how they're 
uh, talking to each other or he feels degraded as a man or demeaned as a man, or he's not a great provider. Mm-hmm. Like it could be stressors that also impact libido. So there are a number of reasons. It's just kind of figuring out like what's happening in this relationship. And once we figure that out, then that helps me give direction on like what to do and how to treat that. That's great. So on the other side of libido, let's talk a little bit about sex addicts. Now we hear that term all the time and uh-huh. some people would be like, oh yeah, I'm a sex addict. I love it. But yeah. It's like, yeah. sign uh-huh. me up. You know what I'm saying? I'll go to those classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't got a problem with it. <laughs> Ain't got no problem. My name is so-and-so and I love it. Uh, you know? Yeah. But what is a sex addict? What are we talking yeah. about? So there's a difference between those who have high desire and those who are sex addicts. Like I hear like he wants sex all the time. He has to be a sex addict Hmm. and a a sex addict. Like, so if you look at addiction, whether it's gambling, substance use, alcohol, or sex, Mm -hmm. the key components are um, one, it disrupts your life in many ways. Um, They're, are negative consequences to seeking out this thing and the person is unable to control themselves when it comes to this behavior. Okay. I know there are negative consequences with me using this drug. There's a a dependency on it. Mm -hmm. My body feels like it needs it. I can't stop myself, even though I want to, Mm -hmm. I want to stop gambling, but I can't, Mm -hmm. I have this really, this need for sex that even if it, it, Also a good component is how much time are you investing and seeking these things out? Mm -hmm. Are they taking, is it taking you away from your family? Is Mm -hmm. it taking you away from your job? Are we spending endless amounts of money to satisfy this need, this addiction? This itch, this itch you have to scratch. (laughs) It's an itch that you have to scratch. And even when it gets scratched, it it still isn't fulfilled. And so I can't control it. I think if it gets to a point where you cannot control and it's such a compulsion that you cannot stop yourself, that is an addiction. Okay. Those who just love to have sex or like to have frequent sex doesn't necessarily mean that they're an addict. I don't, I don't, I hope that answers your question. It does. It it definitely clarifies. Thank you. I want to talk about, we're such, we live such an, um, crazy time that we've mm-hmm. never seen in the world before I know. Uh, yeah. everything that I feel like we've blurred all the lines there's no right or wrong it's just <laughs> whatever <laughs> uh-huh. making yeah. it up whatever feels good you want to change you want to do this whatever it's you know and in one sense you could say oh that's empowering and that we're mm-hmm. evolving and in mm-hmm. another sense you could you know it's like what we're losing we're losing yeah. ourselves yeah. What I'm most concerned about is our children, right? And they're growing up in the world without a certain amount of structure. So they seem to be just kind of floating around in this space and confusion, which easily gets them. That's why they're in this. So such high rates of depression and, you know, rates of suicide Mm -hmm. have increased because people are really confused. So one of the things that our children are, you know, we're talking about sex, there's this fluidity starting mm-hmm. even in our middle schools where yeah. kids are experimenting with same-sex relationships, but it just, I mean, it's a la carte, you know what I'm saying? It's day of the week. I mean, this week I'm with her, you know, it, men, the boys and the girls, it's like, yeah. they just kind of yeah. scrambled eggs yeah. and they are not, their brains are not fully developed enough to really fully make those kind of absolute decisions about they're still figuring it out can you talk about this new age of fluidity yeah. how that impacts our children and how that shows up in kind of skews their own sexual identity and yeah. what 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 are we doing yeah. right I mean <clears throat> I think it starts one with a conversation okay. um, I think having spaces where parents as parents can have conversations with our kids about what they're experiencing in their bodies. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they are a bit confused. I don't know if I like girls. I don't know if I like boys. Um, And so it starts with a conversation around what they understand and what they know about themselves. Okay. Um, 
I, I hear this a lot where I do have parents to say, you know, my daughter is unsure if she's lesbian. Okay. My daughter doesn't, you know, she, or my son, he's starting to experience, you know, these feelings toward other boys. I don't know what to do with it. He's still in puberty. Like, um, yeah. And so it's a complicated, it's, it's a complicated because on one side you have people say like, let them explore, let them figure out who they are. And then you have on the other hand, other people saying, well, they're still in puberty. They don't really know. No, I'm not going to allow this to happen. So um, I think you have to know like what you, where, where you stand. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have a conversation with your, with your kids about what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. Um, There are certain um, therapy resources that actually specialize in this type of, these types of situations where there's gender identity, you know? Um, I mean, they have, I think therapy is starting to grow where you can actually just kind of handpick, like whatever situation you're going through. (laughs) We got somebody for that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. but I think as far as what parents can do and what we can do as a community is to help them understand what's going on in their bodies, help them understand uh, puberty, help them understand what sex is, mm-hmm. help them understand the difference between what's shown on TVs and videos and um, social media. Um, and I think it is becoming this normalized thing to just try many different things. Try, try sexual. People. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> Try sexual. Um, and so it really is a it, it, it's it's tough waters to tread. It is. Um and uncharted waters too, because yeah. we are some new stuff. This is new. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think as a parent, you really want to know like what are your how do you feel about these situations? Because you have to go in with some awareness. Yeah. Um, because it's trending though. It's one of those yeah. things. It's like, what do you do? Like, it's one thing to say, uh, you know, and I'm old school, I'm over 40. So it's like back in my day, you know, if someone was gay or lesbian, you know, it was a, a clear divide. Like this is who yeah. I am. But now it's just like this gumbo of, yeah. you know, and that really scares me yeah. for our young people who then don't really know they've had these experiences you know whether they've been molested in different experiences they've been exposed very quickly at young ages they've had access to too much information Mm -hmm. that they really cannot fully process and then there is this literal peer pressure within the schools to try different things to fit in and if you don't try then right you don't fit in go kiss her it's like go kiss her you're bullied you know right you used to be bullied for being you know like liking the same sex now it's like encouraged and if you don't try it Mm. you're bullied because you know it's 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 a complete opposite it's a totally different culture and I think as 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 parents, we need to understand that. Like, I, you know, yeah. teenagers and especially pubescent teenagers, they are complicated. But you, we have no idea what's going on in their world. Right. You know, right. that's that they might not tell us that because that's some really kind of private, just yeah. difficult conversations to have. Especially if we automatically get the neck rolling. You bet not be bop bop bop. Right. We yeah, don't yeah, understand yeah. the dynamic. Well, you close it off, right? Yeah, like you. When you take that approach, you yes. close off the lines of communication. They can't tell so you. Then you're not, well, you're privy, but yeah. they think you're not privy to understanding and, and knowing what's going on with them. So that's why I say it starts with understanding like where your own biases are, like where your own, mm-hmm. you know, feelings are regarding this, what your own belief system is. Yeah. And yeah. I say the goal is to have an open mind open conversation you want to know what's going on with your child you want to understand what friends you have other friends with the same mentality right the same in the same developmental stage telling them about sex and (laughs) you as their parent you have so much more wisdom so much more knowledge that you can actually dispel some of this these myths that they you know believe are true and so you want to go in open yeah, going open. Mm-hmm. And um, if it's to the point where you don't know what to say or it, and they've 
given you some information where you don't know what to do it, please reach out to okay. a therapist, reach out to get help, get some help, reach out to someone who specializes. They can help you have that conversation good, good. with your child. I love that you said that because this, this is a time we need help. This, yeah. Because <laughs> here's the thing. There's some things in my parenting. My mama can't help me. She don't know mm-hmm. nothing about that, what I'm going right. through. Mm-hmm. You know, she mm-hmm. loves me, but, but this is, the, we on some new stuff. So yeah. this is when we have to call in the professionals to say, and it's okay to call a professional. Oh my God. It's, it's necessary. Okay. It's necessary. Yeah. And to share that, you know, with your own peers, because you're not the only parent who's struggling with these kind of dynamics. You know, right. we don't have to front for each other. Like, oh, my kid is perfect. Yes, they're uh-huh. going to uh-huh. Harvard. But listen. I mean, if, you're, if your child came to you yeah. with a medical concern. Right. And you've tried all your home remedies, right? And it still isn't working. The next step is we need to take you to the doctors. We need to call in a professional. We need to seek medical help. I think it's the same thing with this. Yeah. Whether it's an emotional issue or a mental issue or a gender identity issue or a sexual sexuality issue. Right. Um, I don't, if you don't know what to say or where to go with it, it's okay to call in a professional. It's okay to get some help. regarding this question for you talk about casual sex which Mm -hmm. you know when we're talking about the kids one of the things i'm finding too um Mm -hmm. is that they don't know anything about intimacy they're not having relationships they're not going out on dates you know it's it's totally a different world they're slipping in dms and they're just saying hey what's up when can we meet up to to do the thing right so they don't understand intimacy and connection because everything is about casual sex Mm -hmm. can you talk about how that disrupts and distorts our whole ability to even have intimacy to even understand what that looks like if you are giving your body away to a stranger who first and foremost does not even know how to please you because if you're really going to do it right you got to get time you got to take the time to get to know your partner it's not a one size fits all every woman doesn't respond the -hmm. same way to the same touch so if you're really interested and you want to do this right you got to get to know your person, but they're not interested in that. They want to, they want to do their thing, keep up their body count going and right. go on to the next one. Talk about well, that's that. the thing. That's the thing with hookup culture and yeah. casual sex is that there are missed opportunities to get to know your partner mm-hmm. and it is trending to just hook up, to get your body count up. Oh, I slept with this one, but they're missing out on important foundational pieces of a relationship and creating relationships with others that I think morph into not being able to connect with your partner when you become an adult. Exactly. And um, there's such, and that's the thing, it, it does become easy for a lot of people to just have sex and split up. There isn't a level of vulnerability that is, uh, you know, a part of that experience when you are in a relationship with someone and they're getting to know you, you actually expose your most inner self to them more and more and more. And it's such a vulnerable process Mm -hmm. that that gets skipped, right? And the hookup culture and casual sex, we're not giving each other spaces to be vulnerable with each other. It's hard work to be vulnerable with someone. It is. So that's being looked over. They're having sex with partner after partner and that's actually being glorified. And it's very superficial. Oh, it's God, very yes. superficial. There's no depth um, into that. And I think once again, having conversations around what healthy relationships look like, what is the purpose in your casual hookups? Like, what is leading you to want this person to sleep with that person? Is it peer pressure? Is it you trying to fulfill a void? Um, is it unhealed trauma or unprocessed trauma? So there are things that are underneath it that we have to get to. And there's no way to know that unless that person's willing to slow down, slow down. And if you see someone going down that route, are you going to say something to that person or are you going to let them go down that slippery slope? So a lot of times there are reasons, there are things underneath it, and we need to figure out what that is. Yeah. You know what? It's really interesting when it comes to casual sex. Men are, they'll say, 
you know, yeah, they're all for it. Yeah, let's 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 do this. Let's do this. However, when it comes mm-hmm. to having a relationship with someone that they really want to choose, they're like, oh, slow it. They she can't be out there, you know, yeah. with a body count as high as mine. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, well, yeah. You, you wasn't having sex by yourself. <laughs> Right, right. What about you? (laughs) The woman still has this um, responsibility to remain pure in order to be desirable for a man to want her because she's held herself. Although it's definitely a thing. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something that is uh, happening where men are looked at or praised for having a high body count. Right but they're not wanting to be with a woman with a high body count. Yeah. Well. Um, and so it's, you can't have it both, both ways. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. Exactly. Um, but that goes into like cultural, you know, what cultural differences, it goes back to like what we deem as appropriate for men and women, what we're taught, you know, men are, if, if a woman or if a girl is caught masturbating, there's a lot of shame. Mm. In that. I'm glad you brought that up. Can you talk a little bit about masturbation? Cause that's still um, somewhat a little bit taboo, you know, and uh-huh. I know, and, 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 and here's the other thing, masturbation within relationships, because oftentimes mm. it's easier because sex can be so complicated within yeah. the relationship. Mm-hmm. It may be that person would prefer to masturbate than to be yeah, intimate yeah. with their partner. Right. And so is that a betrayal? Like, how dare you masturbate yeah. when I'm here to please you and you'd rather just go off on your own in the corner, handle your business and go to sleep right. and leave me out to dry. Please yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So <laughs> masturbation is actually a healthy way to explore your body. Okay. Masturbation is a way to what, what, you know, in sex therapy, we talk about having an erotic core, like knowing what feels erotic, what is pleasurable to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to, to understand that better. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were taught too, to sorry to cut you, that it's wrong as well. I mean, in terms is. of yeah, in the yeah. religious sense, you have all of this guilt around don't even touch your own body. Ooh. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> so there's all of these things. It's actually a healthy thing. If a girl is caught masturbating, there is shame that she's not supposed to touch herself. Yes. And there is this level of guilt and shame that's incorporated. A lot of times if teenage boys are masturbating, it's like, ah, that's what they do. You know, <laughs> that's, the, that's right? what they're supposed to do. So there's this double standard. It is. Um, and so that also plays into kind of what you were saying earlier, these childhood messages around mm-hmm. what's healthy and what's not. Yeah. Um, so there's that piece. It's, it's actually a healthy thing. I, I think, um, especially I have um, even virgins who save themselves for for marriage and they actually try to have sex there's so much pain involved like they didn't have a chance to masturbation actually helps to stretch the muscles to get you prepared for sex like there's actually a health component to masturbation okay um but if you're taught that it's a sin that you know you're not supposed to touch yourself there is this level of hesitancy around that Mm-hmm. Um, and dirty, feeling dirty afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And so there is a lot of you know processing that and talking about that and where that comes from and what were you taught about it and what does your faith say about you know masturbation? Sure. Uh, that's a that's a whole different session, right? <laughs> and when you're talking about it in couples relationship, I I find that it's the the secrecy behind it that's the issue, right? right? It's like I didn't know that you were pleasing yourself. I didn't know that it's a betrayal to find out the way that I did. Like I caught you doing it or wow. we're not having a conversation or you're watching porn while you're doing it. And when I want to sleep with you, you have nothing left because you already <laughs> have taken care of yourself. You <laughs> gave it to the woman on the screen. <laughs> yeah. What about me? About right? me. <laughs> um, it's the secrecy of betrayal. It's the reason why that's the easy role. I, it does take a level of connection. It takes energy. It takes work. You know, it takes effort to have sex with each other. And sometimes that is the easier route. It is. So it, creates, <laughs> it, creates, it creates an attachment wound. 
and relationships. And it is the betrayal. It is the secrecy behind it and the reasons uh, and that need to be unpacked. Um, and also your beliefs around it, right? Is all, it all ties together. <laughs> all the dots connect. And if you have varying beliefs about it and she's, you know what I mean? It, it is, mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. complicated mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. It's mm-hmm. complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this as we're, as we're wrapping up soon. Um, so you told me earlier um, before we started the session that you do specific work, a workshop that you've done before, and you're going to revisit again, specifically around women and low libido. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. My plan is to, in the fall, have another women's group where um, us women can sit together and to really talk about um, why, what's happening in our relationship, what's happening with our libido. Mm -hmm. Um, Low libido is just a lack of desire. I think there's a difference between libido and arousal. Arousal is what we feel in our body. And for a lot of times, for, for most women, actually desire doesn't really kick in until there's a level of arousal. Hmm. So it's a little, if you look at it for a man, they desire sex, they get aroused. For women, after they reach a certain level of arousal, then that desire tends to kick in. God made us all, he made it so backwards. I'm, I don't understand why he did it like that. He made that. us special. Uh. I mean, we can have multiple <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> men That's true. That's true. That's true. That's we have true. an actual special love button that men don't have. He just made us special. That's the <laughs> He just made us special. Okay. Um, so in the group, we're talking about... Um, relationship issues. We're talking about trauma, all the things that affect low libido and ways to get through it. And women actually share their um, struggles and their triumphs. It's very empowering. Wow. Uh, women get to sharing like tips, like this is what helps me. So you get to session with some extra things to try it, you know, in the bedroom and it's empowering and it actually helps to build their confidence to know that I'm not the only one going through this. Good. And a lot of the times you, you find these commonalities in the stories of these women. Mm-hmm. And it was very empowering, very enlightening um, working with the women. So I want to do it again this fall. So I'll be posting some information about it on my website, Helena Johnson counseling services.com um, about it and to register. So just, um, you know, stay tuned to that, but it's really, really a wonderful experience for a lot of women to, to try. I love that. And so how, how can people stay in contact with you? Are you also on social media or do they just need to hit you up at your website? Yeah, you can always go to my website. Um, and I am on social media, uh, Instagram, Helena, the therapist okay. and on Facebook, Helena, a Johnson counseling services. I love it. Can you leave us? Cause I mean, we could talk about this all day. There's so many yeah. things like each each topic is worth its own session to really explore. Um, But that's why if you want more, you have to go and and if you need help, you have to go and see her because whatever your struggle might be, you know, it, it could be fixed. You know, you just have to be willing to get the help. Like you said, a hammer is not going to fix everything. No, there are other tools in the toolbox. Can you give us any last words, you know, just based on your experience and what you've been hearing consistently sitting mm-hmm. on your couch, something that we're all struggling with, or many of us, is there some wisdom that you could impart with our listeners before we go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I always want to leave with people is to know that you are not broken, mm-hmm. that there are things that can be healed if you are willing to put in the work to talk about it. If you are willing to put in the work to search and reflect within yourself, um, that the issue such as sex is not a hopeless situation. Um, There are many, many couples who come in feeling so far away from each other because sex doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel right, or they're being triggered from their sexual trauma that has happened in the past. And through sex therapy, they leave the sessions. Of course, like I said, it's hard work. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not always a a quick fix. Um, It can take some time. And if you're willing, and if you're patient, um, I have seen couples actually go through the process Mm -hmm. and come out on the other side 
better and stronger than they were when they started um, with their level of dedication and with um, them being, you know, able to do the work at home. So um, sexless marriages aren't hopeless. Um, I do Mm. offer free 15 minute phone consults for individuals and couples, and I would be more than happy to consult um, with you to, to, to help you point you in the right direction and hopefully get you on the schedule so we can put our hands to the plow and just get work, get to work. (laughs) I love that. Love that. Love that. Listen, you heard it here. Um, there's help for you. Um, and sexless marriages, they can be helped as well. (laughs) So, so reach out and get the help that you need. Helena, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. I know that people were enlightened and blessed and comforted by a lot of the things that you said, because it's such a personal conversation that, you know, not everybody really has a safe space to Uh talk about some of those challenges, but I know that we touched on a lot of things that some people are going through. So Thanks again. And thank you for having me. My pleasure. (laughs) And for everyone listening and watching, um, I look forward to being with you again. In the meantime, I bid you adieu and I wish you peace and I wish you blessings. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of the Urban Parlay podcast. If you have enjoyed this content, please go ahead and subscribe and then invite all your friends. Tell them to come hang out and vibe with your new tribe. If you would like to support with a donation, you can do so via Cash App at dollar sign Urban Parlay Podcast and via PayPal at paypal.me forward slash Urban Parlay. Thanks. It's the Urban Parlay. with the tribe right here on the urban palais